Welcome to To Every Generation, the broadcast ministry of Calvary Chapel Crossfields, located in Jamesburg, New Jersey, where we teach through the entire Bible, verse by verse, and make application to every generation so we can grow in our relationship with God. morning we're going to be in Luke chapter 14 starting with verse 7 and the last time we covered the parable of the strong man which was basically and also the parable of the wandering demon some people say wow that that's in the Bible yeah it kind of gave us a an insight into what was going on in the spiritual realm especially the demonic world where the curtain of time, space, and matter is peeled back and we actually get a look into things that affect us and many people that we know and we look at political situations, we look at terror, we look at a lot of things and it really does explain a lot. Uh, next Sunday, next Sunday, we're going to be in the parable of the wedding feast. The wedding feast is told both in Luke 14 uh, earlier in Jesus' ministry, and it's also told later with more detail, Matthew tw- 22, later in Jesus' ministry, and it basically, Jesus alerts his the hearers that many of them are not going to make it into the kingdom. It's a warning shot, right? A little warning shot because of pride, self-promotion, self-righteousness, and things like that. Sandwiched in the middle of that is, this morning, we're going to be covering the parable of the ambitious guest and the parable of the ambitious host. And basically, when we look at these two parables, Jesus is trying to get us to focus vertically when many are focused just horizontally. And this is the way the world is. It looks at things in the world. It looks at, you know, the rat race. It looks at everyday events that are not necessarily bad, but the focus is taken off of God. And we're going to look at this in three parts. So jumping in, to Luke 14, starting with verse 7. So he, Jesus, told a parable to those who were invited when he noted how they chose the best places, saying to them, now this is um, a Sabbath dinner, and believe it or not, the religious leaders did invite Jesus, some out of being genuine and some looking to trap him. So, you know, it was a big to-do, right? The Pharisees and the Sadducees were also political guys, And the who's who would come to these dinners. So as we continue, verse 8, he says, When you are invited to anyone to a wedding feast, do not sit down in the best place, lest one more honorable than you be invited by him. And he who invited you and him come and say to you, Well, give place to this man. And then you begin with shame to take the lowest place. But when you are invited, go and sit down in the lowest place, So that when he who invited you comes, he may say to you, friend, go up higher. Then you will have glory in the presence of those who sit at the table with you. For whoever exalts himself will be abased, and who humbles himself will be be exalted. So one out of three is the parable of the ambitious guest. And Jesus is taking aim here at the guests because of their attitude of self-promotion. In the Lord's day... Well, it's no different 2,000 years later. There were many what we would call social climbers. I'm going to throw in terms of our vernacular that we would use. Uh, social climbers that try to get to the top in whatever field, 
or whatever social situation or profession through self-effort. This is played out every day. We see this in politics. Sometimes a politician, I'll be vague, <laughs> comes on the scene, whether on the federal level or the state level, and you say, well, I've never heard of that person before. But they, they're social climbers. You know, they made friends with the party bosses. They put them up and said, hey, here's the next governor or president or whatever the case may be. So we see it happening all the time in politics, and we actually coined a term in our vernacular called politicking. You've seen it in job promotions, you know? Um, listen, I've heard this a lot. To get to the top, you've got to go out drinking with the boss on Friday night. You know, you've got to play cards. You've got to do this, right? And these, these things happen in business, in professions. Heck, even on a local level, you can see it in the PTA. You know what I'm saying? Uh, so this is something that permeates through all facets of our lives, unfortunately. Uh, and then some do it even with church or religion. You know, the politicking, maybe a very big organization, a nationally or world-known organization. Who's going to be the next person to take that pulpit, you know? And you see all the vying and the names that are thrown out there. Is it wrong to succeed? Absolutely not. It really depends on two things, motives and modus. The motives of the heart. What drives me? What am I thinking as I go to do this? Or the modus is how it's done. How does it look? Am I stumbling anybody by what I'm doing? Philippians 2, 3 through 4, if we could put that up, this really says it all. The Apostle Paul says, Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit. So ambition is one thing, but selfish ambition is something totally different. Or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. This should be the Christian mindset. Let each of you look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. Right? Are we stepping on somebody to get to the top? Do we consider their feelings? Do we consider how we're doing certain things? And this is, you know, in the rat race of the world, another, another term that we've coined, the rat race. Everybody's on the rat race trying to get here and try to get there. Who are we stepping on to get that piece of cheese? <laughs> so you go look at this. How to succeed the world's ways are very different than how to succeed God's ways. You know, the Lord witnessed the guests scurrying for the best seats, right, to, to, the, to the front, to be at the head of this event so they could rub elbows with the important people. And you've seen this. You've seen it. And maybe some of them are just, they play the phony. Or they, they're the, you know, they, they laugh at the person's jokes, even if they're not funny, because they're trying to stroke their ego, so to speak. Another term that we use. And this prompts Jesus to tell this parable of really uh, humility in all facets of life, whether it be social, whether it be professional, or whether it even be in the church. So we look at this in the world, in the world's venue. Our pride, you know, Jesus said, it might cause us some embarrassment. You know, if we, if we assume that we're supposed to be up here, and we always think highly of ourselves, and Jesus and somebody has to say, our boss, or, or we're at a social event, no, 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 I'm sorry, that, that's not reserved for you. Go sit over there, or go sit further in the back. You know, I wonder if he had this proverb in mind, Proverbs 25, 6 through 7. It says, don't exalt yourself in the presence of the king. Don't stand in the place of great men, for it is better for he to say to you, you come up here, than that you should be put lower 
in the presence of the prince whom your eyes have seen. Are there Christians today who completely disregard this, who always feel in their heart, and, and it's, it's obvious, that they always deserve the best. You know, they have this haughty attitude. The best is always reserved for them. One day they might be embarrassed. You know, if we naturally don't think highly of ourselves and take a humble position, let the Lord elevate us. Maybe eventually the organization will see. And again, is it wrong to succeed? No. Hard work is awesome. Drive is awesome. But it also needs to be balanced if we call ourselves Christians. The world is going to do what the world does. Get to the top by any means possible. But we're people of God, so we, we try to fall in line with what the Word says. I mean, I, I, we would hope that we would more desire what the, what the Lord thinks of us than what the world thinks of us. Verse 10, when we settle, or sorry, moving to verse 10, Jesus says something very interesting. He says that when you sit in the place that you, a, a place of humility, right? He says, then you will have glory in the presence of those who sit at the table with you. So whether you're still in the table of humility or you're elevated by whoever, um, you'll have glory in the presence of those that sit with you. In other words, we'll be at peace wherever the Lord has us. Right? Wherever we are, we'll be at peace. And, you know, <laughs> sociology, I mean, you study behavior and, and you know, how people do things. And I went through, my parents moved around a lot when I was young, so every two years I would make friends and then we'd be moving again. And it was very frustrating because you have to make friends all over again. And I think the the lunchroom cafeteria is a really great study in sociology. You look at the groups, you know, who are the popular groups, who are the ones that really think that they're great versus who are the ones that have more of a humble attitude. And adults are just bigger kids, bigger children. You know, you go to any profession, any um, company, and you look at the cafeteria, you see the same thing, don't you? It's the same thing. It's a study in sociology. And, and some just, you know, it's this pecking order, this social pecking order that Jesus goes right for. And it's amazing how the Lord's words t- 2,000 years ago resonate in our minds today. It's very powerful. It applies today, you know. You can even look at a, a, maybe a wedding or a social event where the person or the, the family is not happy where they're sitting. They don't like the people they're sitting with. They think they deserve better, and as soon as there's a break, they're never at that table anymore. They always have to go for all the well-known people because that's where they want to be instead of maybe getting to know the people at their table. And I'm not saying always. I'm just saying I'm just going to use what, what the Lord gave me this morning. Now, there's a caveat. <laughs> the caveat is false humility. You've been a Christian long enough, you've seen those that pretend to be humble. And it's almost like with the King James voice, oh, I am such a humble person, I'm going to sit all the way in the back. Okay, great. You don't have to put on a show about it, you know what I'm saying? That's really even not even humility. That's really a form of pride cloaked with pretentiousness. So you see all kinds of things. Now, what about the spiritual application? That's the thing we really need to be concerned about, although how we conduct ourselves here, the Lord sees it all. So in a spiritual application, Jesus is going to cover this extensively when we go through next Sunday in the parable of the wedding feast. He observed that there were religious men, and they assumed 
that they were going to get to heaven versus, because of the notoriety that they had in the world. But they were, their lives, their spiritual lives were in great danger. If they didn't change, they were in trouble of missing the kingdom of heaven. And again, we see it every day. A politician or a religious leader or somebody just so well-known, then there's a funeral. And the, the police motorcycles with the flashing lights and all the side streets blocked and the big procession. And surely, surely that pastor, priest, rabbi, surely you can find somebody if you give them enough money to say that they're definitely in heaven. Surely that God would open the kingdom of heaven for that person. They never lived like they knew God, never mentioned God, didn't have a heart for God. But you can always find somebody who will give a eulogy and say that person's definitely in heaven. Why? Because they wowed everybody here? That's what I love about God. He doesn't, 99% of the world could say this, and he says, well, I'm still saying this because I'm God, and this is what's right. You know, politicians are bendable, they're swayed. The Lord isn't swayed. The Lord's not impressed by anything we do in this world. God doesn't view greatness the way the world does, and he hates pride and pretentiousness. Verse 11, we continue, For whoever exalts himself will be humbled or abased, and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. You know, God has two rods that he measures humanity with. In one hand, it's humility, and in the other hand, it's pride. And in every situation, and every person, he decides where they fit in with those two rods. I tell you something, if you look at the Ten Commandments, pride is really the root of most of those breaking those laws. You know, that person has more than me. Coveting, stealing, that person has something that I should have. Killing, that person got something that I should have had. Or that person made me angry and offended me. Um, and you can go through all the, the Ten Commandments and see that there's a basis in pride. When we're prideful, pride goes before a fall, right? Or, I'm sorry, pride goes before destruction. A lot of people say that. So now, see, they, I got a little brainwashed there. Thank you for people like, no, that's not right, Pastor. You're right. That's why you have Bibles there. Pride goes before destruction, a haughty spirit before a fall. Many prideful and self-serving people back then and today were going to miss the kingdom of heaven. Why did Jesus warn us? Because he loves us. He doesn't want anybody. Jesus isn't gleeful about in the judgment having to pass sentence upon that person for eternity. Not happy about that. So most of what Jesus said, if you look at heaven versus hell and the teachings, a lot of his teachings were more about judgment and hell as a warning not to go there. Kids, the stove is hot. The stove is hot. Fire is pit. Don't touch it. And Jesus does the same thing with us. So it's something we need to take note of. We continue in Luke 14. Verses 12, now he directs his attention to the host. He also said to him who invited him, you wonder if there was a point where they just stopped inviting Jesus to stuff? <laughs> oh man, here comes Jesus, the wet blanket. <laughs> no, he's going to tell us how messed up we all are. <laughs> I, I hope that the Lord has like some really cool equipment up there and I could just, just put me in a room and I want to watch what he did in the first century. Just like I was walking with him, you know. Oh, this is going to be good. Matthew, check this out. So, <laughs> so Jesus says to the host, When you give a dinner or a supper, do not ask your friends, your brothers, your relatives, nor your rich neighbors. Goes right for it. 
lest they also invite you back and you be repaid. But when you give a feast, invite the poor, the maimed, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you. For you shall be repaid at the resurrection of the just. Two out of three is the parable of the ambitious host. So the guests got a little bit of, you know, chastisement. And that was the host's turn. All right? They were both very ambitious. And they would invite influential, wealthy people, politically connected people, so they could get something. Come on, we don't see this today. We don't see a very crafted and calculated guest list of some, of some event. Maybe it's even a family event. Why is that person being invited? They don't, you don't even know that person. But it's a way to, you know, come, you know, we have food, we're going to... Because there's something that they might get out of it in the future. And you know what? There are plenty of ministries and churches that only court the wealthy and the influential because they have big plans, big wings to put on, big things, and somebody's got to pay for it. Or the ministry that has the coolest of the cool youth leaders, only maybe a year separated from those that they're teaching. Who cares about character? They've got the look. We want them on our side. Or the coolest kids. Reminds me of that silly song, The Cool Kids. I actually looked up the lyrics. I'm like, that's pretty interesting. Want to be like the cool kids because they seem to fit in. I mean, are we sheep? Is it all about fitting in to a social status or is it about being concerned what God thinks of us because we're going to spend eternity in one of two places. And you know what? When I get to heaven, I just want to know that God was pleased with me. I wasn't perfect. I had to repent of many of my sins, but I, I desired to please the Lord. Now, if you picture the scene, he's... He goes and he speaks about the guests and he, he talks about the host. And can I tell you something? If we're in ministry, there's going to be times that we have to say unpopular things. Now, I know that, you know, today they have all these websites and anybody can spout off. And surely if you discipline somebody, it'll end up on some website somewhere. And Jillian's here. Um, she turned the, coined the term for me, the perpetually offended. I love that. There's always somebody that's going to, you know, you have to make everybody happy. Otherwise, they might say something negative about you. Honestly, if you're doing it right, you're going to have positive and negative reviews. If you have all positive reviews, maybe a little suspicious there. But the world's reward system versus God's reward system are very different. Here's the question. Are we giving to give or are we giving to get? Let me say that again. When we give, do we give to give to bless somebody? Stairs. Or is, is it boomerang giving? You know what I'm saying? And, and we, those are the two. We only do it one or two ways. Give to give or give to get. Now, when we look at the guests, they desired success. When we look at the host, he desired reward or reciprocity. And again, where are we when we give? What do we desire? What are our motives? How do we do things? Great stuff. In verse 13, Jesus wasn't saying that when you have an event, you can never invite your family members or your neighbors. You know, Jesus spoke a lot in hyperbole, and he, it was very powerful. It was like a broad-spectrum antibiotic. It, it, it covered a lot of issues, a lot of problems that we have as human beings. He wasn't saying, don't invite your family, just find people off the street. But he was saying, consider those people, because they can't repay. 
Have we ever opened up our house? Do we have rooms in our house that are like museums and they're, they're cordoned off and nobody can touch and nobody can sit and surely I wouldn't want to invite that person because they might be messy or they might be noisy or they might break something. I mean, are our houses shrines or are they places? You know, when Jesus preached, if you, if you study that time period, the first century, people were very hospitable. They brought you in. It was an honor for somebody to have a stranger in their home for them to feed you, for them to, believe it or not, wash your feet, anoint your head with oil, right? And today, in, in the American way, where our homes are like our shrines, and we have our personal space, and listen, it's just something that we need to look at. I mean, if, it, if the shoe fits, we wear it. But the point is that do we ever entertain or bless or care for anybody who can't repay, can't reward, and there's no reciprocity? Verse 14, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you. For you shall be repaid at the resurrection of the just. And some things in this life are going to go without a reward, without reciprocity. But God sees it. Unfortunately, again, in the rat race of the American culture, and I love my country, I'm very patriotic, I've served it, but there's some things that are very negative. In the rat race, it's what I can get now. I saw a very interesting interview about uh, of some Wall Street guy who um, was doing well financially and he started scamming people, and then he went to jail. Then he came out, and he actually is a public speaker, and he's, I guess, reformed, but he talked about how, what a foolish thing he did, how it was wrong, and he said, you know, I was doing fine, but all I could see was the next 100,000 or the next half a million or the next, and it just was, it was like a drug. He was addicted to this to the point where he started cutting corners. And he went to prison for it because he did some illegal things. He scammed people. And he was trying to teach about how, how much years he wasted in prison and how it's better to just be patient, do it the right way, and wait for things in life. I, was, I saw that like 10 years ago. I don't even remember the guy's name, but I was, it was powerful. It really struck me. The resurrection of the just. Well, there will be, the Bible says, a future rewards venue for the believer. Right? There's going to be... Um, blessings and rewards for those that are in Christ. There's going to be judgment for those that have refused God's way of salvation. But there's always also going to be a reward system for believers and what they did on the earth. Are we willing to wait for that? Is that important for us? Now, we can also see false hospitality with the host. And again, a lot of people still today in the Middle East, very hospitable, very nice people. But it also depends on where your heart is, why you're doing the things that you're doing. In addition to social climbing, I'll throw a few other terms out, some invite guests because it's a mutual admiration society. You invite someone to your house because you know they're going to compliment the heck out of you. They're going to make you, they're going to stroke your ego. They're going to make you feel good, right? I, I want to make sure I invite the people that you know, put a thousand likes and they're always liking things on my wall. You know what I'm saying? Again, it's this, this and I was reading, was it one of the uh, psychiatrists that said you actually get a dopamine response from positive comments on your social media wall. Well, what about the scripture that talks about faithful are the wounds of a friend but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful? Do we have friends that will oppose us face to face and say, you know what, what you're doing is wrong? 
And that's the, the danger, and it's, it's a, we're moving towards a narcissistic, narcissistic culture where we, hopefully not we, but society just surrounds themselves with those that are like them. It could be they're just they're like them, they look like them, it's the same culture, they're a mini-me. They say the things that we want to hear, and really, what happens when the reality of, of life hit us? And then there's whole... Uh, preachers, prosperity t- preachers that feed into this craziness that tell you how wonderful you are and how you just need to tell God this is what you want and he's going to give it to you every time. You just have to have faith and you have to, you know, so we have preachers now who unfortunately are feeding the beast. They're feeding the pig. You, you know what I'm saying? It's not good. I, I look at, you know, even in this ministry, Pastor Vinny, Pastor Paul, Pastor Sam, and I were four very different people very different backgrounds, very different experience. But we were brought together and it works. We love each other. You know, we're, we're honest with each other. We work well with each other. So continue on. Uh, verse 15, which will be the last verse for this morning. It says, Now when one of those who sat at the table with him, they hear Jesus, he said to him, Blessed is he who shall eat bread in the kingdom of God. Well, it looks like he got it. Hey, this bread is good. Hey, this, this is a well-known Pharisee. I'm sure the buffet table was really nice. He moves right past that and says, Blessed is he who eats bread in the kingdom of God. He gets it. He gets it. You know, it, it's, that's great where we are now, but it's so much more important that we make it there. And that's where we spend eternity. Again, every day people are deceived into thinking they're going to heaven because of some type of false confidence or something they had on this earth. They had a swag... They just had a magnetic personality. They had, it's an emotional high. They're successful. They're popular. But the Bible says this, that for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. It's that simple. All the things that these people were vying for had nothing to do with that verse that I just said to you. That's it. That's the gospel message. But, but what about, but, but what about, but what about, I think I've heard the expression, uh, I'm probably going to butcher it. <laughs> You've never seen, uh, you'll never see a trailer in heaven with possessions in it or something to that effect. Yeah, I know, I did mess it up. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know, I mean, it just, I just think of the Egyptians and the Romans and I think of the tombs and all their stuff was piled in there. You know who got it? Grave robbers. <laughs> it didn't go to heaven with them. Something to consider. Three, the takeaway. Three. Are we so caught up in the horizontal that we forget the vertical? Do we forget to look up? Do we forget God? I'll give you an example. I know my examples are sometimes a little bit odd, but I like to read about the special forces and what they do. And when they go to a place and they're trying to get a terrorist or some bad guy, they, with this heavy tree cover, they scurry up, they paint themselves black and green and brown and close. they squint their eyes and they scurry up on a high branch and they have all their weaponry and there could be four or five of them in a tree. And these, the bad guys walk back and forth, they hear their conversations, they see them and if they have to attack, they, they do it from a, a, a position of superiority. It's amazing, people don't look up. We see this in, in the natural world but it's, we also see this in the spiritual world. Oh, it's a sunny day, that's about the extent of it. There's a God up there somewhere. You know what I'm saying? Is, is this it? Is this 
Oh, I, I, I'm in the hospital. Something, oh, maybe I should pay attention. Maybe I should consider it. Oh, I have to go to a funeral today. Other than that, it's they're just everything, everyone's looking horizontally. By the way, I'm very one of those few people that I do look up into the trees, so don't think you're going to sneak up on me, all right? <laughs> so are we so caught up in the world's favor, success, or reward, or are we seeking God's favor? Let me ask you another question. If, if, you, if we are on the top of our game this morning in life, and we have everything, if we died right now, how many people are prepared and how many people are not prepared? I'm going to guess that in every church, there's a few, at least a few people that are not prepared. Jesus said, what does it profit a person if they gain the whole world but lose their own soul? To gain the whole world, not only to lose your soul, but lose all those possessions that you amassed for so long. Don't assume that the way we build reputations, contacts, associations, politicking is the same way we get into heaven. And that was his point. His point, there's more to this world. And, and that's just a distraction to hold you down. To keep, the devil wants to, you know, in different countries there's other distractions. I think in the West the distraction is you can have anything you want. It's true. You can have any degree you want. You could make as much money as you want. There are really good things about the West and then there are really negative things. Because the demonic world from last Sunday that we talked about used that and capitalize on it. And there's some in this very room that are distracted horizontally. They have no idea that they're... And I didn't know either until I got saved. And I look back 25, 26 years. And I actually look back today and I'm like, man, I, was, I had a few close calls in life and I wouldn't have made it if I died. I didn't think that back then, but I know it now. Right? Hindsight's 2020. Don't, don't assume that all the credits we've built up here transfer to the kingdom. Might happen in high school, might happen in college, might happen towards your degree, doesn't happen in heaven. Let me, let me just ask you this, what dominates your life? Is there any room for God? As we'll see next Sunday in the parable of the wedding feast, many will miss that marriage supper of the Lamb. Many will miss the joy in the kingdom and eating bread in the kingdom. Right now we're in an age of grace, but we're also in the age of the rat race. What's more important? Now, can you be a Christian and live an honest life and still provide for your family? Absolutely. Absolutely. God does want us to be diligent. He does want us to set a good example. But let me just say this. Don't fixate on what's going on here horizontally and you miss the kingdom of heaven. Now, here's the good news. Right now, if you're sitting here and your heart is beating and you're breathing, there's still hope. Let's pray. You've been listening to To Every Generation from Calvary Chapel Crossfield. We're located at 15 Half Acre Road in Jamesburg, New Jersey. We meet for Bible study Wednesdays at 7.30 p.m. and Sunday service begins at 10.30 a.m. On Sundays we have children's church for all ages in addition to infant and nursery care. You can find out more about the ministry here at Calvary Chapel Crossfields by going to cccrossfields.org. Thanks for listening, and may God bless you.